Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this Pentecost. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Lord, that that your Spirit teaches us what we need to know. And Lord, that your Spirit reminds us of everything that you taught us. Oh, Jesus. Lord, help us to grow closer to you. Open up our hearts today to hear what you'd have us to hear. And we just thank you for this in your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Well, this is Pentecost. And it's kind of neat to have, have us celebrating it actually on the biblical day of Pentecost. What a blessing that is. We, we celebrated Easter on the biblical day of his resurrection too. And when they line up like that, then we're going to celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost comes from the word 50. And it's 50 days after the resurrection. You know, we have Pentagon has five sides. Pentagram is five sides. Pentecost means 50. 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended into... Got it. Heaven, right. And then he told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, in Christianity, we don't see the Jewish connection there. But do you know that on those Sundays when we celebrate Holy Communion, and I hold up that bread, the Afikoman, the Afikoman was the middle piece of bread in, in the Passover service, the Last Supper, and still today, they start out the service with three pieces of bread, one on top of the other. Unleavened bread. And the Jewish father will take the middle piece, one, two, three. In the Trinity, who's the middle person of the Trinity? Jesus. Isn't it interesting that they have three pieces of bread? They take the middle piece, break it in two, put half of it back, and then the father wraps the other half in a napkin and hides it. He hides it somewhere in the room. And after they've eaten the Passover supper, he asks And this is when we get the Lord's Supper. He asks the children, and we are God's children. He asks the children to see who can find this afikoman that has been hidden away. And the children run all throughout the house. Now they had to have their eyes blindfolded when he when he hid it. And Father will do a bunch of funny things. He'll move over here and make a little noise and move over here and make a little noise. So they don't exactly know where he put it. But he says to the children, the one who finds the Afikoman gets the promise of the Father. And in Jewish tradition, the promise of the Father is some gift that the father will give the child who finds the afikoman. 
Now, Jesus, when he takes the afikoman, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he says, this is my body which is given for you. So in Christianity, the children who find who? Jesus. Receive the promise of the Father. That's what he's talking about. When you find me, when you find Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the promise from the Father. And his promise is the Holy Spirit. Wow. You see, this is the, this is the, the Hebrew Christian connection. When we find Jesus, our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit. Now actually, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us find Jesus. Because the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except it be given Him of the Holy Spirit. So when we find Jesus, people look for Him, then they find Him, and they receive His Spirit. What a promise from the Father. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And where was everybody supposed to be at Pentecost anyway? In where? Jerusalem. And especially in the temple area. Now, do you know that that area is 37 acres big? It's about three blocks long, three blocks uh, wide and uh, 1,500 feet. It covers 37 acres. So if you can just visualize about 37 acres and how many people could fit in that type of, type of uh, place. Quite a few people. Several thousands of people could fit in 37 acres. So anyway, in the Bible, it says that on the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost had come, one of the three most holy days when God required the people all over Israel, now especially the men. Women, sometimes they had to stay home and take care of children. Small children couldn't make that trip. There may be some, some men that couldn't make it, but he wanted most of them to be there in Jerusalem for Pentecost because God was going to do something special on Pentecost. On that first Pentecost, he gave the Ten Commandments. And then on that next Pentecost, he gave his Holy Spirit. And here we have the law and the gospel, the law and the spirit. Well, he wanted the people to be there. So the Bible says, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered all together. Where do you think they were gathered? They were in Jerusalem. Where in Jerusalem do you think they would gather on the day of Pentecost? In the temple. In the temple area. And they're there. And the Bible said they were sitting. Now, most people think they were in the upper room. In a house. Because 10 days before, when Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, the Bible says, and they went to the upper room. 
But now this is 10 days later when they're supposed to be in the temple area. And every day the Bible says that Peter and the disciples every day went to the temple to pray. Every day. So on Pentecost, it would be logical for them to be in the temple area praying. And it said they were seated together. Now in the temple area, there were stairs, uh, steps, big, big steps, huge, going into the temple. And people would sit on those steps and visit with one another. In the temple area, there were several areas where people would gather together and pray. These disciples are in one of these areas. And suddenly, they heard a mighty rushing wind. Everybody heard it. God wanted everybody to hear it. And not just the people in the temple area. He wanted all of Jerusalem to hear this wind. And with this wind then came tongues of fire. Here we have a flame of fire. It was a divided tongue. There's two flames coming up. Came down and landed on the heads of all the disciples, of all the believers. The believers in Jesus. The ones who had found Jesus. Who believed in him. The Holy Spirit came down, landed on their heads, and the Bible said they all began to speak in tongues. Now some of you here speak in tongues, and some of you have heard others speaking in tongues, and tongues are usually gibberish. They usually are not a language. They're usually just an expression of one's faith. I had a pastor friend who, when I was in Waco, who... Um, wanted to attend a Jewish synagogue one Sabbath. He didn't know any Hebrew. But he sat down, and in a Jewish synagogue, much of the liturgy is done in Hebrew. And so the people are singing these Hebrew songs, and he didn't know any Hebrew, but he did speak in tongues, and so he's just speaking in tongues, singing in tongues as the congregation is singing in Hebrew. And when service was over the lady in front of him turned around and said to him that was the most beautiful Hebrew I have ever heard see the miracle take, took place in the hearing of the listener and the people there in Jerusalem when they heard all this this babbling in tongues they said oh they're speaking in to the Parthians, they're speaking to the Medes, they're speaking to the Ethiopians. There were people that spoke languages from all over the world there because they had to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost too. The people living in Egypt and other countries, and they spoke that language, and they heard the disciples all speaking in their language and witnessing about Jesus. And the Bible said that so many people believed in Jesus that day that there were over 3,000 who were baptized that day. Now, how could they baptize 3,000? Well, because by the temple, they had all these baptismal areas. They called them mikvahs, many of them. And the people could all go through the mikvah and all of them be baptized. Very easy and very fast to baptize thousands of people. 
Now, interestingly enough, when the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai and Moses came down, what did he find that the people had built and were worshiping while he was up on the mountain? Golden calf, an idol. And the Bible says that about 3,000 people died that day, slain. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, 3,000 people were saved. Wow. What a blessing. What a comparison. Old Testament, they died because of worshiping an idol. New Testament, they're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit because they accepted Jesus. Now, what does that say to us today? When we accept Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. And some are given the Holy Spirit even before they believe in Jesus because their parents believed in Jesus. Some are given the Holy Spirit here right at the baptismal fount. The Holy, their parents are saying, Lord, fill my child with your Holy Spirit. Some are given, given the Holy Spirit even before baptism, simply because they have believing parents. And the Holy Spirit comes to them. I think all of us, or almost all of us here today, have the, I think, well, I know most of us do have the Holy Spirit in us. We've already accepted Jesus as Savior. God's Spirit has taken up residence in us. We have what the Old Testament people did not have. They did not have it easy to believe in God. They had to keep those laws. They had to sacrifice animals. They couldn't hear God's voice. They, couldn't, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. He wasn't yet given. They had to go to a prophet or the priest because God would anoint his prophets and priests with the Holy Spirit and they could give the people a word from God. But when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, we can hear directly from God, all of us. You don't have to always call me to say, what does this mean in the Bible? You can, I'm here for that. We're all here for that. You can call another friend too. But you also go to the Holy Spirit, to God and say, Lord, explain this verse to me. And then either the Spirit will give it to you directly or you'll call a friend and they'll talk to you about it or you'll call me and I'll talk to you about it. God uses us in that ways. But in the Old Testament, they had to go to a prophet a priest to get God's word. And we don't have to do that. It's okay to do that. Sometimes the Lord wants us to do that. But the Holy Spirit in us will guide us and lead us. Those people had a hard time saying no to sin. Sometimes we have a hard time too, but we have a helper the Holy Spirit who can help us say no to sin. We have a helper who lives inside of us. What God wants each one of us to do. And this, this is the most important thing in our Christian life. The first and foremost important thing is believing in Jesus. 
and accepting him as Savior. And the second most important thing is letting the Holy Spirit fill us with his Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit fill our thoughts and our minds. Letting the Holy Spirit fill our eyes, what we choose to look at. Let us, letting the Holy Spirit fill our ears, what we choose to hear. Letting the Holy Spirit fill our mouth, what we choose to say. Letting the Holy Spirit fill our actions, what we choose to do. This is what we all need. Now, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He wants to fill us totally. Our thoughts, our words, our ears, our eyes, our actions. He wants us to go to God and ask God to help us in that area. And as Christians, that's what life is all about. It's growing closer to God and how we grow closer to God is letting His Spirit fill our life totally. And every day, every day we should be praying this. Lord, fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to live the life You've called me to live. Help me to be obedient to Your Word. Lord, teach me what You want me to know. Help me to do what You want me to do. And as we pray that every day, and as we go to God every day, He is going to begin to lead us and guide us in ways that will still surprise even me and still surprise us all. Because He loves you. You're His children. He lives inside of you. And He wants you to give your total life over to Him. And all we have to do is be willing. Lord, help me to do it. You can pray it every day. Lord, help me. Help me to live for you. Help me to put you first. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. No, we're never going to get it perfect because we live in sinful bodies. We're going to make mistakes every day, but our mistakes are going to become a little less and not quite as grievous. And we're going to see more miracles happen in our lives. You already see miracles happen. But you're going to start to see more of the miracles that are already happening. You're going to catch more of them. Because you'll be more aware. God wants to fill each of us with his Holy Spirit. And that's what Pentecost is all about. The ladies put this Pentecost design up. The, the red and the orange. That's the flames of fire. And the doves are samples of the Holy Spirit that comes to all of us. He came down as a dove to John the Baptist. And he came down as a spirit of fire to the people on the day of Pentecost. Amen. God loves you. And he wants to fill you. I mean, he wants to fill me even more with his Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm... I'm a sinner too. And I'm not perfect either. And I'm growing closer to God every day. And that's what we're all doing. And he wants us to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, give us a desire, Lord, 
to want you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross and paid the price for sin so that we could be filled with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus. You talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the washing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that your Spirit lives in us, God. And Lord, help us to want your Spirit, to want your Spirit to take control of our whole life. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.